Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast, hosted by Matt Hallisey and Al Horn. This is the only entrepreneurial podcast that helps you take the most important step to finally achieving financial and personal freedom. What is that step? Well, it's the very next step you need to take. It doesn't matter whether you've started a business but aren't profitable, or you've only just now thought about starting a business for the first time. You can design your new life in just a short period of time. We both started multiple profitable businesses, and we're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of. The crazy thing is you don't need to be especially talented, experienced, smart, or even lucky to make this happen. You just have to take the first step that's in front of you. So grab a drink and join us while we discuss our own journeys from working for other people as employees to living our dream lifestyle as business owners. We share our successes, our failures, and the simple formula we've discovered to go from starting from nothing to having our own profitable business in just a short period of time. We're here to help you move closer to your goal of living the life that you've been dreaming of but we're always scared to go after. Welcome to the Hallisey and Horn podcast. Hey, what's up, Al? Okay. Just another day in paradise, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I, I, thought you could, gonna, I thought you were going to go Pink Floyd and say just another brick in the wall. <laughs> now, I had enough of that night in, 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 when I went to San Diego State. That was a very popular album at the time. And, and uh, I could remember a bunch of drunk uh, San Diego State students. Uh, we don't need no education. Really? Well, what are you doing here, <laughs> San Diego State, then, you dumb? Anyway. No. Well, technically, yeah. they were being honest. They were trust fund babies. So. Oh, were they? Oh. I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I see. I thought it was all about that uh, parochial English uh, we're going to whack you on the head education that they had to put up with back in the day. Remember? Certainly after. Well, it's always been that way in England. Actually, I, 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 I spent four or five years of my childhood in England, northern England. Oh, tally how? I almost had an English accent, but then again, I almost had a French accent because my mother spoke French. So I was confused. No, I mean, uh, it was okay. My dad was from the South. He was from Florida. So he spoke with a Southern that is, Now, I've never been to Florida, England. That's a great part of England. No, I'm saying my dad was from uh, Florida. <laughs> well, you said the South. So I figured you were going to say like London. Or no, Bournemouth no, I've been, or... to I've been to London. But I was in Northern England near a, a place called Sheffield Air Force Base. And uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Right, and it was near another place called Great Yarmouth. But anyway, we were there for four and a half, uh, basically difficult, uh, uncertain, challenging years. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so my mother spoke French and hardly any English. My dad spoke with, uh, English, sort of, with a Southern drawl. And I lived in England. So you can only imagine what my brain was going through trying to figure out what reality was. And uh, it was, you know, I'm not going to go into the details because uh, you, even though you're recording, I know you can edit this out. But uh, it was the interesting times. Yeah. Growing up well, in, in the countryside of northern England in an old castle that had been well, I can, converted. 
I can tell you right now, if that happened nowadays, everybody around you would think that they, they um, abducted you. Because <laughs> your dad speaks in a southern drawl, northern Florida, yes. southern drawl, because there's yeah. no southern drawl in, south, in south Florida. Um, and then your mom speaks French and barely any English. And you... French, Arabic, English, yeah. Spanish. So your dad, your dad no, abducted English your mom first. Your dad abducted your mom first. Yes, that is true. You, and then yanked you out of the seating area at the airport. Yes, that's correct, sir. Yes, and it's, all, a, it's a all long three story. Of you, all three of you have completely different names. And they just called you Al because it was the <laughs> No, it, it, I it was wish. The easiest, it was the easiest name to remember. My friend, I wish it was that simple. It's much, <laughs> much more complicated than that. Okay. But uh, and we, we won't go into that. We'll save that for not a bonus session, which we'll talk about in this episode, but a bonus, bonus session. <laughs> so a double bonus. <laughs> we're, <talking, laughs> we're talking a session that people, people will be fascinated with, but it'll be so expensive that nobody will want to listen to it. It's going to be way out there. But let's talk so about a lot of good is- things today. It's so good that we're going to price it so high. Yes. Literally, no one will listen to it. No one will dare to listen <laughs> to it. We're going to price it. We're going to do the Monty Brewster pricing strategy. <laughs> we're going to put it at <laughs> $5 million. Listen, my friend, I have sent the link to this podcast to a few people I know. And one is a friend that I've known for 25 plus years. I helped him sell his uh, .com business, which he retired. And I sent him the link. Another, I mentioned that because he kind of owes me. You know, I mean, he, he, you think he'd do something if I recommended it since he's retired from his dot-com business, thanks to me. Yeah, you think. He sent me a text back. He goes, hour and a half, two hours? What the F? <laughs> he says, not my cup of tea. I said, okay. We can't argue with him, you know. I mean, our episodes of our podcast tend to go a little longer than the uh, – the sales cheat code podcast length, if you yeah, it's not uh, it would be more YouTube and less TikTok or less Snapchat, <laughs> Snapchat or TikTok, you know. Well, TikTok, but I'm saying the time Snap- is ticking and talking. Snapchat is like what? It's like ten seconds or eight seconds you have. Oh, basically. is it? I don't. I don't snap the chat. I don't. I did it. I did it once, and like basically, let's say that you want to have like a a thirty to forty second conversation. Yeah. You have to like record like six or seven of them in a row basically yeah and so it's like hey uh yeah this is al horn coming to you from san diego san diego (laughs) we're gonna talk today about the real about the real life of an entrepreneur (laughs) and so that's kind of and then that's kind of what the snapchat ones are they're very small and then they just i don't know if they still disappear or whatever but Oh, let's hope anyway, so. Anyway, let's hope they it's disappear. Like it's like, it's the, all the, if your kid is diagnosed with like high level ADD, Snapchat is like right up his alley. Well, you mean a typical or not, or millennial. You, typical, typical millennial is what well, you not mean. Millennial. Believe it or not, millennials, because remember millennials, uh, the first millennials were born in 1982 because they were oh. going to graduate high school at the millennium. That's why they called oh. them millennials. They were originally called Gen Y. Mm-hmm. Gen X, they were Gen Y, mm-hmm. and then they called them yeah. millennials. Yeah, I've used Gen were, Y. It's a good. It's it works well. 
Yeah. So millennials, <laughs> the reason they started, well, around the same time they call them millennials. I remember in 1982, I was watching the news and they said that they were trying to engineer the education system mm. to really push the anti-smoking message so that this generation would be the first non-smoking generation mm. in American history. And they were going to mm. graduate at the millennium. So if that person's born in 1982, these people are 38 years old right now. I mean, that's yeah. how fast these... So basically, millennials are like, I don't know, 25 to 38, or no, probably 28 to 38. Mm -hmm. But then Gen Z is kind of the one that you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, none of that really makes too much of a difference. Whatever. To me. But Whatever. thank you. Thank you for clarifying that, Matt. Um, I think you better move my, my, my screen pick up to the top like it was before. And I'll tell you why. Because I look at you, then I look at myself, then I look at you, then I look at myself. And it makes me look shifty eyed. You know what I'm saying? Shifty, Shifty. eye. Like, so do how like do I move? Eye? <laughs> no, I'm looking to the screen like that. I look at me, I look at you. So oh, I need no, to get no, no. a See, pop. Yeah, I, I, I need to get I have, a pop. I have you up here. There we go. I have you right I'm here. Up top. On the top. It's all me. Yeah, there we go. It's all me, bro. Now you're huge. You're huge. Huge. Like huge. Trump would say. You're huge. Yo, huge. You're don't huge. Even pronounce, we do this in our house all the time. You don't even. <laughs> it's like the French. You don't pronounce an H. That's You're right. huge. You're huge. How would you pronounce on? Horn with no H. On. <laughs> or if you would like to go, ah, miso, onne. <laughs> onne. Don't go there. I beg of you. Even though you're wearing a hashtag something or other that I can't read. I can only read half of it. I had something to do with funnel hacking. Oh, is that yeah. funnel cake? Funnel cake? I love funnel, funnel Okay, cake. that would have been great. If they would have had a funnel cake and then just had like a cake here. You see, without our advice, so lame. They could right. have done so much more. And I think that's the point of this whole podcast. It's yeah, not to so, tell everybody, you know, the, yes, tell them the unvarnished truth. Yes, tell them, uh, you know, what's happening and the world of entrepreneurialism, entrepreneurialism, but also folks out there, please contact us, we, we can help you. We can help you make mistakes that yeah, will move you that. forward, that will move you forward. We'll help you to prevent, prevent make you from making mistakes. We'll, we'll do all kinds of magic, all kinds of amazing things if you contact us. That's true. So you want to hear a great, great segue. So we talked about your real life being abducted by an abducted French woman and a Northern Florida, a Northern Florida fugitive. Tampa. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's still, I'm, I, I lived in Miami. Anything North of like Palm beach County is, is Northern Florida. The, the penis cross, of America. You lived yeah, on the no. tip of the penis of America. No, pretty much. We were, we were the genital wart. So <laughs> <laughs> good i like that <laughs> but uh yeah anything north of anything north of okeechobee is northern yeah. florida we always said that you know from that point on it's you know yeah. you have to have two license plates and four mud flaps so well, i heard it what i heard and actually lived in tampa when i was a kid i used to hit mosquitoes with a baseball bat to try to kill them um but i heard people walk that, their pet crocodiles yes i heard the people in miami welcome to miami miami think the people in northern florida or a it's like another country it's like a no, different no, no. world right it's a different state and we have a name for that state it's called east alabama <laughs> <laughs> like no joke oh my god that's good 
That's good. Oh, uh, we could talk about Florida all day, but oh, what's yeah. this? What, what's the so, segue you're talking yeah, about, my friend? So, so instead of instead of talking about your fake life as an, an, an as a, a victim of a, a childhood abduction, not a victim, on, not a victim, just unfortunate. Okay, a benefit, a beneficiary. Yes, a rich, well-to-do um, fugitive. Uh, We're not going to talk about that fake life. Okay. We're right. going to talk about the real life of an yes. entrepreneur. Yes. See, how'd you like that? That was good. I like it. That's a, that's pretty smooth. Yeah, you know. And I'm glad your eyes are, I'm glad you have a vertical because, yeah, no more ping pong. Oh, my God. That was annoying. It was like Adam Stockdale back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Who that is, he sounds like a race car driver. But no, um, yeah. for, uh, but anyway, so... So this is the one I know you were kind of near and dear to your heart. So kind of, I'll give you the, give you the reins, so to speak. And yeah, get started. we are. Yeah. I thought you were going to take this one. No, no, no. The, no, I have the next one. So the, All next, right, episode my friend. The, Good. the next episode for those <laughs> listening is, um, you know, we're going to talk about in the next episode, we're going to talk about the most common mistakes new entrepreneurs make. Mm. And of course, Al, Al, I, I know that was supposed to be me because I have quite a list of mistakes <laughs> that go on in the hall of shame. Stupid things that you do when you start a business and you don't know any better, uh-huh. you don't have anybody to ask what to do. Mm. Um, and we're probably going to call it, what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What, wasn't. I don't know what size font the list is in, but I'm sure mine is longer. Yeah, mine is in that military block font. <laughs> you print it out on uh, register tape, right? This is only Actually, four inches I'm just, across. I'm just, I'm just branding it and burning it into wood. Like that's. Oh, well, that's, that'll work. Sure. That'll work. That's not going to help our forests any, but okay, go ahead. No, no, no. But the wood's already dead. So <laughs> remember, when you're, when you're, when you're cutting down, when you're, when you're. When you're making paper out of trees that you cut down, you're not killing a tree because the tree's already dead. You're abusing the corpse. I understand. In, in theory, yes. Yes. All right. All right. So we're going to talk today about the real life of the entrepreneur. Just give you a background. I'll throw you just, just the easiest softball to get us started today. Sure. Lob a lot of people, a lot of people, including me, when you talk about, hey, I, I, you know, I always wanted to start my own business. And here I am. I'm a senior manager in this huge Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. They only let me trade my freaking stock eight days, eight days a year. Uh, it's like, nice. thanks, thanks for the compliment. Um, and I get the idea in my head of like, my wife keeps calling me saying, hey, guess what I'm doing? I'm going to the beach. And I'm like, well, there's a path to do that. And you get this romanticized vision that you're going to start this business. Day one, you're going to have people knocking on your door. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just got your domain, you just got your email, mm-hmm. you haven't even set up your email mm-hmm. signature, and the people are just going to start emailing you saying, hey, Matt, I want what you're selling. Well, how'd you know about it? Well, I just, I heard you started a business, so I want to sign up. Right. And you just figure, you know, immediately it's going to go there and you're just going to, hey, I'm good at my day job. Why, you know, I guess I should be really good at my own job, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then you discover what entrepreneurship really is. It's not this walk in the woods where everything's great. That's this fairy tale where there's rainbows and hmm. um, you know everything goes perfect. But you realize it is the biggest test of mental strength and mental maturity that you've ever gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, there's failures. There's things that you realize you didn't even know how to do. There's things you learned that you had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you I, I learned I had to be everything. I had mm-hmm. to be the, I had to be the web developer. 
I had to be the videographer, the photographer, the marketing person, the bookkeeper. Um, you know, I'm the worst boss I could ever have because at least my other boss couldn't read my mind, you know, and get into those nooks and crannies that only mm. I know I can get into myself. Mm. And then you start to realize that, you know, you finally get things up, you get a business, you have a product, you're ready to sell, you figure I'm just going to put all this money into marketing and the, the, at least some money is going to come in. And then the first product that I had kind of didn't do much at all, which is, which sucks. It's not, it's not like you got up to the plate and, and grounded to shortstop. You went mm -hmm. down <laughs> completely three whiffs in a row mm -hmm. and you realize it. Yeah. And you realize that it's, it's challenging. And so then, you know, it's about, do I have the right product? Do I have the right marketing message? Do I know what I'm doing? And then you realize, man, I really don't know what I'm doing. And so it just takes a lot of swings and misses, some yeah. fail, so a lot of failures, some successes. Um, but then you realize that you're not working an eight hour day with two breaks and a lunch period. I mean, if you really want to get the song off the ground, I mean, you got to work hours. Like Saturdays are not off days. Sundays are not off days. Evenings, you know, it's not just, hey, cool, I'm done with work. Let me go home, kick up, kick my feet up, watch a football game, you know, and I'll see you on Monday. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to, you know, talk today about people that have been watching the podcast or listening to the podcast about what does it mean really to be an entrepreneur day to day? Like, what are some of the things that you see? What are the things you want to know ahead of time so when they come, you're not blindsided by them? Or when, let's say you have a failure or something, some negative result comes, you realize it's not necessarily your fault. It's just a normal part of the process. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's equivalent of like you haven't been to the gym in 10 years and you go to the gym and you just go all out the first day. And the next morning you wake up and you're so sore you can barely get out of bed. I have a friend that did that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done that. It's like, maybe if I had a personal trainer with me, they would have been like, all right, first day, we'll cool things out. We don't want to completely immobilize you for the next two days because <laughs> you have all this lactic acid in your body. You can barely get out of bed for the next couple days. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but you have a guide to kind of get you there. So right. kind of when you think of being an entrepreneur, like the real, I love the word you use, the unvarnished life of an entrepreneur. What would kind of what comes to mind for you? Well, wow, you covered, you covered a lot there, Matt. Um, well, in generalities, I'm giving yeah. you some ponds. I'm giving yeah. you some, some. Well, you said you were going to log into. one up, and I felt that you kind of like threw the about 18 of the balls at me at, at, yeah, at high speed. At, 18 at, ones at to curves. 18 one. You, you said 18 curves, ones to you said, <laughs> well, one you of us is going to talk. Well, I figure you get to choose. <laughs> sorry, I, I figure you get to choose which one you want to take. And oh, really, I so. see. Okay, okay. Um, well, yes. I mean, there's a lot of things uh, it, it, that that revolve around the the world of entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur. And um, you you sort of think of it as a like the nucleus of an atom or something. Uh, there's so many things. A revolving around it. Okay. Um, first of all, uh, are we there, there, being an entrepreneur? I divide into basically two different universes. 
sort of like the old uh, sci-fi thing that these are identical universes, but they somehow one's very different than the other in, in some ways went down a different path. And, and I'll tell you why, because there's the universe of the entrepreneur that's getting started, that has a vision, that has an idea, that's sick of their cubicle life, um, that is really an expert or really good at doing something or has some kind of vision. They thought of a new product. They know they could do really well um, in, a, in a certain uh, space or expertise area. And they get this idea that they want to be their own boss. They want to have their own business. They want to create something, do something. They want to make a difference in the world. All of those wonderful things. But they may be in a nine-to-five situation, or they may have just been let go of a nine-to-five situation, or they may be the boss of another company or situation. They may be in the executive, or they may be the janitor. There's so many different variables. Um, but let's say whatever situation they're in, they have this vision, they have this desire, they have this motivation to be their own boss, start, start their business, get it going, make enough money to, to live, and then at that some point in the future, go to the next level and the next level in terms of income, in terms of revenue, in terms of profitability, in terms of the number of clients or customers they have, in terms of the, 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 the uh, infrastructure that they need, uh it's just building building the business so that at some point at some point they're making a damn good living okay and that includes kids and everything else they might have glomming onto them <laughs> sucking money out of their bank account um so they're making a decent living and then at some point they have this vision like wow what if i could just take it to the next level the next level and then we start talking about making fantastic, incredible, wonderful amounts of money. And then at some point, just becoming so rich that you're, ca you, you're starting to think about how do you cash out, okay? How do you sell the business? How do you do or do an IPO? Or how do you manage to back away from the business somehow so that you're not working 70 or 80 hours a week and wearing all the hats, having all the responsibility and making all the decisions? And turn, turn it over to somebody else to manage. It's all part of a process, okay? But that's the universe of the person that's starting or has an idea to do something. Then there's the universe of the entrepreneur who actually did something, is doing something, and they're on the other end of that spectrum. They have a business. The business may be doing uh very well or it may be struggling or it may be in the process of diversifying uh he may be he or she may be thinking well the business is kind of just doing okay i'm sort of treading water but how do i get it to the next level of which i spoke before where the business can expand and the person doesn't have can maybe just wear one or two hats instead of eight or nine or ten hats in terms of what they need to do for the business. And they can actually take some time off or actually relax and the business 
isn't just a job that they bought for themselves with some trust fund money or loans from the family or friends or whatever. It's actually an entity that exists. And if you, if you read an excellent book by Gerber, The Entrepreneurial Myth, um, he explains that quite well. And really the whole principle in that book is how do you go from, hey, I bought myself a job to, hey, this is an entity that can run without me and still do extremely well. So those are the two universes. And I do, I, now there are some things in common between the two universes, but there are some things that are very, very different. Okay. So let's talk about, first talk about the first universe, which is a universe of, I've got a regular job, a nine to five job. We don't know how good that job is for this particular individual. <clears throat> it could be a job they hate. It could be a job they love. It could be a job where they're barely making enough money and they're overworked. They're to a job where they're C-suite executive and they're making really, really good money. Maybe they've been at it for 20, 25 years, or maybe they just got out of Harvard and they got offered a great job on Wall Street. Who knows? There's so many different variables, okay? But let's just say that somehow, some way, they've gotten bit by the bug, so to speak. They've got this idea that they want to do it on their own. Maybe they're doing extremely well within a certain uh, configuration of their current job, and they, but they know they could do better. Or maybe they feel stifled. Maybe they think, wow, if this company only did this, this way, instead of that, that way, this company would be so much better and would make so much more money and uh, the, the, the customers would be so much happier. But unfortunately, they don't want to take my advice. They're dealing with the bureaucracy, the Peter principle, the, the company could be changing or could not want to change or any a number of different things where let's just say they're not happy. They want something better for themselves. And they get this idea, this vision, that they could do it better if they were their own boss. They could create a different entity. So the first thing they have to start thinking about is resources. What kind of resources do they have? Obviously, if they're working for a pretty good-sized company, not a mom-and-pop antique store in Newport Beach, okay, but let's say they're working for a good-sized company. That company has tremendous resources at their fingertips, at their disposal, and those resources are... Uh, they're not, they're not something that the average person would have or average entrepreneur would have available to them. So if they're going to do something on their own, they have to start thinking about resources and not just financial resources, infrastructure resources. Are they going to need a building? Are they going to need an office? Are they going to need a warehouse? Are they going to need a, a supply line? Are they going to be able to source particular types of products? Do they have the credentials and the licensing to do certain things? Um, 
are they prepared to have no income for a certain period of time? Could be anywhere from a month to six months to God knows six years, who knows, okay? And so they start thinking, they should start thinking immediately about resources because if they have a great idea or they have a tremendous amount of expertise or they're super motivated or they've come up with a better way of doing things, all those things, those are just ideas inside their head until they take action and they make those dreams a reality. And the only way to make those dreams a reality is to have first and foremost resources. It doesn't mean that they have to start off with $10 million or $100 million. Or, it just means that they have to have resources that are adequate to get things going. Okay. And we'll talk about the other universe in a bit where things are going, but they need more money to take them to the next level, okay? Or to have economies of scale or to, to, to grow their company, okay? So let's say they're just getting started. They really need to do a, 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 a accurate assessment of what they have in terms of resources in order to get this thing going. They're going to need, still need to pay some bills, although they can tighten their bill. <clears throat> if they have responsibilities and debts, they're still going to have to have those responsibilities and debts. They're going to have to begin to set up some infrastructure, even if it's, I'm going to work out of my home with a couple of phone lines and an internet connection. They, they got to have something along those lines to kind of, build the foundation to, to, to start. They've got to be able to pay their bills, a mortgage, credit cards, whatever. They're going to have to, you know, health insurance, all, all the bills that come in that are fixed, okay? Variable bills, they can look and say, okay, well, what, I can cut out the Starbucks every day. I can do this. I can do that. Maybe my kid doesn't have to go to college. Just kidding. You know, <laughs> America needs janitors and, you know, they need plumbers too. Ditch diggers but, too. Huh? Ditch diggers too. Uh, well, not so much anymore. That's been automated, robots and stuff. But um, <laughs> here's the thing. They've got to, they've got to really sit down and, and this is, this is the amazing thing about entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur. They have to have a brain that can fantasize and visualize and project and hope and dream and all of those wonderful things. But the other part of their brain has to be extremely factual and real and down to earth day to day. Here are my bills. Here's how much money I'm going to need to get this thing going. Here's how much I'm going to need to take it beyond just it exists. It's how much money you're going to put into marketing. How much money are you going to put into infrastructure? Like I said, you could operate out of your home. That's not a bad thing, especially nowadays. If we're if you're if watching or listening to this and we're still in lockdown, we're still in COVID. Working from the home is the ideal situation. Having an office with overhead and employees that show up at the office to drink coffee and BS about what's going on to sit at their company provided computer system 
isn't necessarily the best way to be right now. So there's nothing wrong with beginning by starting from home, okay? But there are some businesses that are very difficult to run from home. So you have to take that into consideration. If you do need a small office, maybe you can start with a satellite office, okay? One of those used as you need type offices. Those are great, very popular, great, although many have been put on hold now because of the COVID pandemic. But so you've, you've got to think about those things, your resources, okay? <clears throat> Number two, you've, what resources are, are a part of your business plan, okay? If you plan to fail, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Now, this, a business plan isn't the end-all to end-all, the be-all of everything, because business plans, unfortunately, are, business plans are kind of like a great way to put information together but as a working document, you have to change it so much as an entrepreneur that you can't use it on a day-to-day -day basis as a working document. But what you can do is you can organize what you need to organize in terms of your information, especially if you're gonna take some kind of a document to a bank or to an investor or to a family member or to somebody to um to get some money to get things going you put this business plan together and you know there's a zillion books out there and resources on the internet or whatever that talk about putting together a business plan so <clears throat> your business plan basically talks about the real essential fundamentals okay what is your product or service who is it for who's on your team what is your marketing strategy? What, is your, what, what, look, what does it look like in terms of profitability? What is your legal situation in terms of your entity? Are you a subchapter S? Are you an LLC? Are you a, a, a C Corp? Whatever. Where are you going to be? Who are you going to service? Where, what are you going to provide? And to who and where, when and how? Okay? The very basics, if you can't put that down uh, on paper, so to speak, if you can't put that down in a format, I don't care if it's a PDF or a spreadsheet or a, uh, I don't cash register tape or the back of an envelope, if you cannot put that down in an organized, concise way that will explain it to somebody who does not know you, does not know what you want to do, does not know how you're going to do it, doesn't have any idea what your product or service is, and they can read it and understand it and say, okay, that's who you are, that's what you want to do, that's what you want to provide, this is who you want to provide it to, this is the kind of money you could potentially make, a pro forma income statement, some simple stuff like that. If you can't do that, you need to go back to school, or you need to study, or you need to do some research. There's too many people with wild ideas that sound amazing, that they think they're going to change the world and they, they don't have to put a five-page business plan together, okay? Now, here's the good news. If you don't know how to do that, there's people out there that can help you. Now, you could possibly turn to a business coach or you could possibly turn to your CPA or a really good accountant. You could possibly turn to your banker. Believe me, bankers are sitting around waiting to talk to people like you. All right. 
not that they have any money for you, but they are bored. Okay, so they need someone to talk to. Um, if you have a, a reasonable amount of money in your bank account, they'll they even like to talk to you more. So, um, so let's so so you've got your business plan together. You've got some kind of a marketing strategy. You've got your resources. And now you're thinking, well, okay, I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about this. I feel like I've got all the pieces together. It's time to start. It's time to do something. So you've got to make a decision then. Are you going to quit your job and go cold turkey into the world of entrepreneurialism? Or as you would say, jump and learn to swim uh, in the deep, cold part of the lake? Or are you going to say, all right, I've taken some time to do this. I'm still doing my regular job, still bringing in the money from my uh, regular job, but let's see if I can start this part-time, okay? Now, going back to what you said originally, Matt, if somebody yeah, yeah. has a regular job and let's say they have a really good job, a job that they kind of like, you know, it's okay. And it's not perfect. You know, their boss may have bad days. They may have bad days. They may not be able to go to the beach when they want to. Of course, there's a lot of people in Ohio that don't go to the beach, but then that's okay. That's okay. Um, there are beaches. There. Yeah, there are some beaches there, right? Ashtabula is a beach. But anyway... <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> All right. So here's the point. The point is that uh, you can you have to decide is this something you're going to go in whole hog or you something you want to do part time. Now, going back to what you said, Matt, if you're in a nice, reasonably nice job, which many people would like to be in now, then are not. Um, and let's say you've been at it for a while. You're vested in the company. Your best bet, my advice to you would be, don't quit your job. See what you can do to get this thing going part-time. See if it'll fly. Push it out of the nest. See if it'll fly. If it immediately, you start it and it starts part-time and it's just a lead weight that goes thunk, okay? Probably quitting your great job that you have uh, a 401k and is bringing you great money that you enjoy is probably not a good idea to quit that okay see what you can get going part-time on the side so to speak a side gig whatever you want to call it if it looks like it's going great then set a goal and say okay when this job when this this entity i've created this entrepreneurial effort this business starts making enough money that it's break even with the money that I'm already making and I see more potential for it, then maybe that would be a good time. All right. Or if it never does that, you've got a little side gig thing that you're doing that's bringing you maybe 30 or 30% of what you would, you're making with your regular job, but it's, it's, it's bonus. It's extra. It helps pay the credit card bills. It helps, you know, pay the rent, whatever. That's good. And if you can do that, now keep in mind, if you're already working 60 or 70 hours a week at your regular job, putting in another 20 for your side gig, okay, that's going to be a big stress. And, and stress is 
an important consideration and factor because time and stress is an important factor to consider when you're getting started. In fact, it's an important factor even when your business is going like potentially like gangbusters. It doesn't ever let up. Okay. No. So if you think no. you, you think being an entrepreneur means you get to go to the beach all the time, it doesn't. It means you get to go to the beach once in a while when you want to, but it doesn't mean you get to live at the beach. Okay. Yeah, and you probably don't get to enjoy the beach because you'll be you'll be the only one on your laptop, whatever, working. <laughs> That's right. You'll be at a coffee place, typically a Starbucks, with your notebook, looking out the window at the beach. Okay, while you try to figure out why this problem is happening, why this customer is upset, why this order didn't go through, why the internet isn't working right, and your website is down, and all the millions of things that go wrong on a daily well, not millions, the tens of thousands of things that go wrong on a daily basis, right? And some of these are so, going wrong. Some of these are going wrong because they were never set up right to begin with. Correct. <clears throat> so you kind of brought up an interesting point. So a couple of points. So one, <laughs> I think you talked about like jumping in whole hog before you really have a proof of concept. Right. And I think number one, just like anything in your life, <clears throat> it's like, <clears throat> if let's say you want to borrow money from somebody, they're not going to lend you money unless there's any type of proof of concept. Now in the, in the banking world, they call it a business plan. So they just want to see that you've thought it through. But the idea is that like, if you're going to do anything, you really have to do some level of due diligence before you jump whole hog in. So for example, when I moved out to California, I didn't just go spin a globe point <laughs> and hop on a plane because that would be problematic. I actually did a lot of research. You know, I had never even, when I made the decision to move, I hadn't been here, but I wasn't going to move here without coming here first. Mm -hmm. And so- Get the lay of the land. You got to get the lay of the land, right? But I learned how, you know, how much housing was, how much people Mm. made, what was the crime like, Um, just in general, what, what things are like, you know? And then- once you feel like you've done your due diligence and you can do it by all means, jump in and go. Um, but I think there's some level of planning. Um, so I do, I think it's, you know, it's no different than anything else. You really need to make sure that you like, if you're going to dive off the diving board into the pool, make sure there's water in it. Like that's a good first step. Right. Um, but secondly, you brought up something that I, and I'm going to revisit. You said something, I'm going to revisit something you said even earlier is you were talking about like, all right, well, I'm going to start this business and I'm going to work like 60 hours. I already have a job. I'm going to work, you know, another 20 hours a week on this job or 30 hours a week or 40, whatever it is. And you're just going to burn Mm -hmm. yourself out. But something that was in the e-myth, the entrepreneur myth book, one of the exercises that he had to do just so it it kind of clarified your, uh, your thinking was he said, drop like in 10 years when you're, when your business is kind of, full-fledged what your org chart looks like Mm -hmm. and so you get a sense of what you know what the business is like what functions you'll need um and then the idea is you're in every box (laughs) like you you are the person in every box and the idea is you want to work your way out of it top or bottom to top Mm -hmm. and i would (laughs) say that like when it comes to something you just said was you know it's not just okay i'm just going to quit my job and work 80 hours a week but you want to get to a point where the job, the business is requiring, before you quit, the business is requiring more of you than you can deliver 
holding a full-time job elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So if this business is growing and you realize, man, I, I'm working all day. This business is happening throughout the day. I don't have anybody to help me out. Like, you know, somebody emails me at 10 in the morning. The fastest I can get back to them is six, <laughs> you know, like six in the evening. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't going to work out. I, you know, we need all hands on deck. So <clears throat> at that point you might decide, okay, I, you know, I need to move because the business is forcing me to be available during the day for the business or, and this is just the unicorn. In other words, it rarely happens, but sometimes it does where you get this business and the revenue is blowing up faster than you thought. Mm -hmm. And you realize, okay, if I have a choice between time and money, which do I choose? If I'm making more money in my business than I am in my job, well, why am I sacrificing my whole day to make less money during that time slot? Whereas if you, you know, if you're working part-time and you're making more money than you work during the day, maybe if you work full-time on the business, you might make three to four times what you're making during the day. And mm -hmm. so it's just, it's a natural outcropping of, of the situation you're in. But if you're just sitting here going, I have a hope and a dream and I have pie in the sky, I'm just going to quit my job. Unless you're a trust fund baby, <clears throat> you know, and you have kind of a soft cushion to land on, um, it's kind of an irresponsible thing to do. Now, it doesn't mean that's not a goal. And I say that because I did that. And I was like, <clears throat> you know, I felt like I had enough under my feet that I could do it, but the business didn't necessarily have proof of concept yet financially. I still set a goal in the future. And I'd say, okay, my goal to push myself is by this date, I'm going to quit my job. And it forced me to be fully engaged every single day up to that point. Now, mm -hmm. what would have happened had that day come and the revenue was nowhere near where I needed to be? I probably would have readjusted my goal. In other words, I'm not slave to that. Like, all right, I'm going to say in December that I'm not, I'm quitting my job by June. Mm -hmm. And since I didn't meet my goal, well, I'm still going to quit my job by June. Well, no, I didn't quit my job. I said I wanted to quit my job by June because I, I wanted the revenue to be at a certain point by June. But if the revenue is not there, then I don't necessarily have to, to stay with that. Maybe I adjust it and say, okay, well, we're going to just go by the end of the year and I'm going to give myself mm -hmm. another goal. And it forces me to work really hard for the rest of the year on that. But you want to approach it like anything else. Like you do want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence. And at the same time, it's like you don't want to make a catastrophic economic mistake where you're just you quit your job, you know, maybe you just, you know, you know, drop the letter on the boss's desk and walk out, drop the keys at the door uh, and burn a bridge. Um, no, you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing and you're giving yourself every single choice you make. You're looking at the choice between two current alternatives, two current options and choosing the best option forward. But you got to realize like anything else, you know, when you start a business, it's a matter of skill set. So if you start a new hobby, or I was thinking about this recently, like, let's say you decided I'm going to start Krav Maga. I always thought like, if I did a martial art, Krav Maga is like the Israeli Mossad, where it's like, you like disarm armed people. And it's kind of jujitsu and karate and like ninja all wrapped into one. Mm -hmm. Well, when you mm -hmm. first start out, you're going to suck. <laughs> So it doesn't matter if somebody mugs you, you're going to get mugged. <laughs> like you're not any better than anybody else, but it's only when your skill set increases. Mm -hmm. um, do you know, do you actually get better at something? Um, and so 
you know, it's like in the beginning, you have to realize like, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're not going to be effective at what you're doing. Um, and when you compare yourself to others who are in a similar place, you're going to, you're going to be found wanting as the mm -hmm. saying goes, mm -hmm. but you just have to stay diligent to your skill set. And typically what you find most times when you have something where there's a natural proclivity or have a talent for something and you start out, it's a pair, it's a reverse parabolic curve. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to suck for a while. You're going to suck for a while and you don't know when it comes, but there will be an inflection point when things turn. Mm -hmm. It's not linear where it just consistently goes up like this, but you need to keep going, going, going. And then you hit the inflection point and it goes up. And there's an, uh, there's a book by, um, the, what is it? The, the company that makes think and grow rich, um, Nathaniel Hill's book, the, the person who wrote it, Shannon or Sharon, something, Sharon, something or other, there's a book that she wrote called three feet from gold. Mm. And basically the concept is somebody <laughs> is digging for gold, not like digging for gold, digging for gold. And they keep digging and digging and digging and they, and they, they don't find anything and they keep digging and digging and digging and they don't get anything. Mm -hmm. And finally, they end up quitting and they're like, the heck with it. I'm not doing this anymore. It's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. When realistically, they were three feet away from a, a mother load of gold. Mm -hmm. And they just had to push a little bit longer. And that's kind of their inflection point. It's like, you don't know when this business is going to turn. Mm -hmm. Now, the degree of difficulty is determined by your skill set or your experience. Mm -hmm. So like if I decide I'm going to open up a Krav Maga studio, like I've never done Krav Maga. So forget that. Like it's probably going to be like my degree of difficulty is way steeper than most people. So the odds of me being successful opening up a martial arts studio are like zero. Slim and none. Slim to none as a best case scenario. But if I were to do something where I have a natural proclivity, where I am really good at something, I have a strong skill set, I have a lot of experience, I have successes and failures. I've, you know, I've kind of got to Mount Everest and I know where all the bad places and good places to go mm -hmm. are. Well, then it's the degree of difficulty is lower, but I still have to figure out the elements on how to get there. So the mm -hmm. bookkeeping, the marketing, the web development, mm -hmm how you brand yourself, who your avatar is, who's, who your target market is, um, and really making sure that like when you're, when you're giving somebody a message, it's like baby food. It's, you know, they don't have to have teeth, you know, you give it and it's easily digested. So mm. if you're marketing toward, <laughs> I love that when you're marketing toward people in their sixties and seventies and you're trying to sell them reverse mortgages, <laughs> um, you really don't want to make it sound like you're about to steal their home which I don't know if you've ever seen those commercials. Have you ever seen those commercials? I have. I have seen them. Yes. It got, so, it realized like they got so, they were so bad at their first iteration that their next set of commercials were reverse more. It's like Tom Selleck reverse mortgages mm -hmm. aren't really a trick to make to, for, for somebody to steal your home. I'm like, you're spending money on advertising, trying to tell them you're not trying to steal their home. Yeah. Like you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you don't want to say, so you, you know, your skill set is making sure that you're giving them a message that's easy to understand. It fits them. They get it immediately and they want to act on it immediately because you're kind of, you're hitting on all the pain points and you're giving mm -hmm. or, and or giving them some aspirational message mm -hmm. um, so that they want to do it. And the problem is, is that like, you may be a great, let's say I am a Krav Maga master. That would be awesome, by the way. Um, 
it doesn't make me a great marketing master. Absolutely. So I'm really good. I might be really good at Krav Maga, but I'm really bad at jujitsu. Just mm-hmm. because you're a good fighter doesn't mean you're good at everything. Right. I could be a good baseball player, but a terrible basketball player. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, but it's like, it doesn't really matter <laughs> if you're going to start a business. You need to figure this out. If I, my dad was an insurance contractor. Let's say that I t- when he retired, he offered me his business. Well, the problem is I had no experience. I never, I mean, it wasn't a big business, but it was his mm-hmm. own business. And, you know, he was retiring and he offered it. And the thing is, I didn't, I never worked for him. I don't have any experience in mm-hmm. that. So it's like, I could have a business handed to me, has right. revenue, it's right. profitable. But you hand it to me and it's like giving Bobby Pellet the business. Right. I'm going to make that thing go down. Well, could I comment on a couple things that you said there? Sure. Yeah. First of all, first of all, what if you had worked for your dad for 20 years? What if you had been in the office doing everything from getting coffee to putting together the uh, insurance claims? You knew every part of the business. Maybe you could think of things you'd like to do better, like open a Krav Maga studio, okay, because you're totally into that. And it's your, you just love it. It's your passion. But you know everything there is to know about insurance because you helped your dad and worked with your dad. He paid you as an employee and he's ready to turn the business over to you that you helped to build. That's a good opportunity. You might want to really take a hard look at that instead of the Krav Maga studio. Okay. However, another option would be dad, why don't you sell the business and give me the money? How about that? You know, um, you've got to look at all your options, but let's say, for example, you got the insurance business and you're working on it, but you still have a passion for Krav Maga. Well, you're thinking to yourself, well, I, I, I'm kind of like the equivalent of a brown belt. I couldn't teach it, but what if I got a partner who was a master, okay, but didn't have the money to open a studio and we formed a partnership where I'm the money guy, I'm the silent partner, if you will. And I also know how to do marketing. I've been in in, in the insurance. Listen, if you've been in the insurance business for 20 years, you know marketing. Because you're selling insurance, okay? So you know marketing, you know people. Maybe you already have a base of of thousands of people that you've reached out and, and contacted at some point. You get the insurance business, take it over from your dad, keep it going, build it, and on the side, you meet a Krav Maga master from Israel, and he, he shows up, you know, and he's a, he, he, he was a personal bodyguard for the premier of you know, Israel or whatever, and you know, this guy's got years of experience, but he doesn't have the money and quite frankly, isn't that much of a business guy. So you partner with him, open up a studio where he teaches and you just look at it as another investment where you get to visit it on the weekend because you're working 70 hours a week. You visit it on the weekend and hang out with some Krav Maga people and you love it. There's many people that make enough money in a boring, traditional bread and butter type business that they decide they want to open up a restaurant or they decide they want to open up something else on the side, but they're, they're not running it every day. 
Okay, they got somebody else to do that. Hair salon, uh, uh, restaurant, uh, amusement park. It doesn't matter what it is. Somebody else has to run it, but you need to make sure that you just look at the numbers, do your business thing like you do for everything else, and it becomes a nice little money maker for you. So the point I'm, I'm making here, Matt, is you can have both, but you still have to apply the same basic principles. Now, if you've never done anything in insurance for 20 years, you have no inclination, you have no desire to be in that business, you don't particularly care for it, it was just something that your dad did to put food on the table, you have nothing to do with it, well, that might not be the best best business to take over. You might just run it right into the ground. Probably would have. You probably very well could have. You got to have the licensing, the certifications, and everything else that goes along with it. You know, and you can't you can't even run an insurance business unless you have those types of credentials and certificates and everything else that you need. I'm not talking about Series Seven, but you need to have all you need to have all of those legal things in place. Well, yeah, I would have needed a contractor's license, you know, probably a number of health, you know, there's probably health well, certificates. You have to be an insurance broker. You have to well, no, have No, 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 broker. no. Well, it, it wasn't an insurance sales. Oh, it was yeah. like an insurance contractor. So like oh, if okay. you're, if you had a fire in your house or a slab leak, he'd come oh, in and fix okay. it. Oh, well, that's completely different, but yeah. still. But anyway, you to your point, to, have those to, your, to your point though, let's say you're somebody listening to this and you're like, okay, well, I have an opportunity <clears throat> but I don't necessarily know what to do with it. So there's two paths you took. Number one is let's say you're the blue belt and you're like, well, I can't open up a, you know, I can't open up a karate studio. I'm a blue belt. I don't even have black belts to give out. And if I did, they would outrank me, right? Like <laughs> I get then, beat okay, up by my students. Yeah. So maybe at that point you partner with somebody who has a black belt and they're kind of the face of the business. You might own 70%. You give them 30%, but they're the mm -hmm. face of the business and mm -hmm. you go from there. And it's the equivalent of like, um, you know, I might partner with, let's say my dad sold 50% of the business to me or 60% and I get, you know, 40% goes to one of his people he worked with. Mm. So that helps me kind of, you know, make up for weaknesses that I have in the meantime. And, you know, at some point you want to work and, and get their skill set and buy them out. But the other thing you brought up was kind of interesting point. And I didn't see it coming was let's say that you have, you see a business and you see an opportunity for it to work better. And so it, I was, I met this one guy, it was a British guy named Simon Hewitt, like the most <laughs> British name ever, right? And- Actually the most British name ever is Wesley Snipes. Snipes, okay. Wesley. Snipes. Not Wesley Snipes, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> Lord of Cambridge. <laughs> um, and it, it turns out that he owned this um, company and they did grease traps for restaurants, right? Right. Grease traps and they, they took out the grease and they, they took out the grease traps and put in empty ones. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is like this British guy, like this, like the epitome of a British guy. I'm like, wait, wait, wait you have a business doing what? And he, I said, how did you get into that? And he said, well, honestly, I saw this guy, I saw this guy, I, this guy was running the business and he, I talked to him about it and I realized he didn't really know what he was doing. Mm. So I offered him a buyout. I bought his business for him. I go, but you don't have any experience. He goes, 
well, I know, but I, I, I realized all the mistakes he was making that were costing him money. Mm -hmm. I realized that I could step in right now and make more money with the same clientele that he has than he is. Mm. And that's what he did. He has no background in it, but what he was able to do is figure out how to do it better, which is kind of a hallmark of the VC cr crowd, right? The venture capital crowd. It's like, if you can get somebody who isn't, who has a business, who has all the things working for them, all the waves are kind of blown in the same direction, but they're making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Then you can come in with that skill set that you have and either buy them out, buy a piece of the business, you know, or whatever it is. And it's kind of like, it's like meal in a box. It's like microwave popcorn, mm. you know? And I think it depends on where you're at, but in the end, it comes back to what you said earlier. It's a skill set thing. Where is your skill set? Mm -hmm. So you look at, and we'll talk about one of the evil people in the world, Mitt Romney. And he, he owned this company, Bain Capital. Well, he was a partner in it. Well, but fair enough, but he was a part owner in it. But anyway, well, they would come into a company that was struggling, and they, but they realized that this company was not a long-term enterprise, right? Mm -hmm. But it had valuable parts. <laughs> so he was the equivalent of the guy that steals your car and sends it to the chop shop and, send, mm. and, and, and basically sells all the parts out. And so you take a business, you'd outsource it to Indonesia or you know, whatever, some country where they pay their people like two cents a day, <clears throat> and you know you make a bunch of profits and you start selling you basically start selling the business off and what happens mm. is all the Amer what happens is this is what part of the reason he never got elected was all the american jobs they had in america he shipped them all out to southeast asia and basically got the business to a certain level of profitability and then sold that business to somebody else mm-hmm mm -hmm. right but that was his skill set <clears throat> now i don't think he's a very good person uh, and again, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I mm. generally hate them all. Mm. Um, but it was like he was able to figure out, man, if we just took this one business, we have this great um, workforce in this country that's going to work for like one tenth of the, the money. And there's no labor law regulations in that country. Like it may be child labor, right? It may be a bunch of six-year-olds putting together, you know, whatever they're making. <clears throat> but we can make a ton more profit off it. And that was his skill set. There's other people that go in and they see businesses and they, they basically try to buy them out, realizing that we can do better than them running that company. And I think you're frozen. Hold on. We'll come back to this. Mm -hmm. All right. You there? Just frozen and, and yeah, I'm, All right. I'm here. All right. Let me make sure my, all right, cool. All right. So are you still there? Yes. Okay. Um, so anyway, sorry about that. Internet connectivity. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, but anyway, what you want to do is if you're looking, if you want to start a business, you have a choice, right? You have a, you have a kind of a grand scale before you get into what you want to do. Mm -hmm. You want to buy a business or start a business. Right. Now, if you, but you want to look first of all as a skill set. what is your skill set? So if I had you do an exercise and said, I want you to list five to 10 things of what you're just naturally good at, what you have a ton of experience in. Um, maybe it's something where you're, like you were saying that your mom spoke French. Let's say that you were a fluent French speaker. Well, you could start basically a business, you know, French for dummies. And you could teach people how to get up and learn, be quasi fluent in six months. Um, 
that could be one of them. Let's say that you played football at Ohio State or Clemson or whatever. Well, you could help kids. Like I have friends of mine from high school and this is what they do. It's crazy. So they basically develop their, their marketers for high school football players and well athletes really. And they help to get a, they basically help put marketing programs together to get them college scholarships. Mm. And they're not the most talented. I mean, they're not like Michael Jordan by any means. I mean, not, I mean, they're kids who grew up in my neighborhood. They're not necessarily the most talented, but they know the path to get there. They have tons of contacts, athletic directors and football coaches, and they know what they look at. And they're like, all right, well, we can put together a marketing package that basically help promote you to get your kid a college scholarship. So they're not really, it seems like they're selling to the kid, but they're really selling to the kid's parents, basically saying we can save you four years of tuition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but it comes down to that skill set thing. What are you naturally good at? What do you have a passion for? Like you may have a skill set for something, but you may hate doing it. Right. And that's not going to last very long. So you kind of got to mix. What am I really good at? What do I, and what do I, what could I absolutely do and love doing, you know, without any sense of how much time I'm spending on it? Right. So you might be really right. good at golf, but you're sick of golf. Like I don't want to be teaching, you know, people putting strokes. I love playing golf myself. I just don't like teaching it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got to mix those up. And so that's right. kind of where it comes into. It's like, where do you want to spend your time? What's work to you? And, but what's something that's a passion to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to mention a couple of things, uh, a couple of comments uh, on some things that you said. Um, First of all, I, I do want to reiterate to our audience out there that this this uh, this podcast isn't about lecturing you on the do's and don'ts of being an entrepreneur as much as it is about a conversation about being an entrepreneur and all the different aspects of it and our experience. Yes, we do make some recommendations, um, but we're talking in general here. So in order to have some very specific solutions and very specific answers to problems or questions that you have, we would need to know more specifically about your situation and you're welcome to reach out to us. Um, We'd be happy to take a specific question and talk about it. So I just want to reiterate to the audience out there that this is a very kind of uh, it's almost an impromptu kind of conversation back and forth about uh, between Matt and myself about the world of being an entrepreneur, the mindset of being an entrepreneur, the needs, the, uh, the problems, the challenges, all of those kinds of good things. So we're not necessarily following a strict format here. I just wanted to reiterate that. Now, the second thing, for example, um, you, you know, we were talking about somebody who had a job, a regular job that they either liked, maybe they liked it, but we were talking about the advantages of doing a, a setting up a, a side gig um, and not quitting your job. Maybe you're not completely prepared to quit your job and start something new. Maybe you're not sure about the thing that you could start. It's viability. You, you, you want to test it a little bit first. Uh, you want to get to a point where it's making enough money that you can quit your job, um, that it makes sense to quit your job. And so that you, otherwise, because listen, man, one of the realities of life is 
whether you have money coming in or not, you still have bills. I don't, I, I've read all the philosophers and all the, everything you can think of out there in metaphysics. And I've never run across anything that says that if you stop making money, your bills go away. Okay. So <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't work that way. You have a certain lifestyle, responsibilities, et cetera. You've got bills to pay. Even you can eliminate a lot of them. Absolutely. Over time. But let's say, um, let's say you do want to start your own, uh, start something, experiment with something, uh, uh, give it a go, as they say, and uh, it's going to be a psychic. Well, I just want to mention one thing that's very, very important. And I, uh, this was reiterated to me in a webinar that I participated in by an attorney who is a Silicon Valley startup uh, uh, attorney for entrepreneurs. And one of the things that he mentioned, which was extremely important, is this. If you're working on a side thing, don't use your company's computers. Don't use your company's data yep. that you're being paid as a salaried person to do. Um, uh, be very, very careful that you have a, a, an explicit and legal defined separation of entities. Because if you ever get that business going and it starts to make money or, you know, universe willing, it takes off like a rocket, you don't want the people at your old company to say, hey, you used our data. Hey, you used our customer list. Hey, you used our computers that we were paying you to do work for us on. And now they own your company or their <laughs> big piece of it, or you've got a lawsuit on your hands that just puts you in a situation where uh, you are uh, in a whole deep pile of you know what, okay? So that is something that's very important. You do need to pay attention to this legal stuff and you need to have it put together properly. And after this guy was done talking in this webinar, I became aware uh, of how much of this legal stuff you have to have if you're really legitimately going to start a new company that might need investors. Um, that is going to have a, a stock situation, is going to have a shared ownership situation where you need to set it up in a certain way. If you don't, you're going to have two major problems. Number one, at some point, the partners are going to have disagreements about who owns what and how much and what it's worth. And that's not good. Investors are not going to want to invest in your company because you haven't set it up properly and it needs to be changed and that costs money and it can be changed, but it costs money and time and effort. And some investors won't even take a second look at you. They'll say, that's just too amateurish. I don't even want to be, I'm not going to put any money into that. And number three, the tax man will come a calling. If you haven't set up your corporation and your business properly, with the, in the right way to take advantage of the tax uh, uh, laws and situations, then at some point, instead of you selling that stock and being $10 million richer, you're going to sell that stock and have to pay $8 million in tax. Yep. So you've got to have that stuff together at the get-go. 
all right? You can do the trial balloon, so to speak. You can test it out and see uh, if it produces anything positive for you. You can put the pieces of it together to get it ready for investors or ready for partners, partnership or whatever. You can do all of that. But at some point, when that thing starts to get going, you better have the proper foundation, infrastructure, and legal possibilities, entities, if you will, properly done, or you're going to pay a big price later. Maybe the company won't even succeed. Maybe it'll die because you don't have those things set up properly. So you hit on two points that I want to jump. I want to add to. So number one, you talked about taxes, and they always say that if you have a successful business, well, we'll go. My my CPA always says when he was talking about like he hates four hundred one ks and and IRAs, and he says, "Do you want to retire rich or poor?" And I said, "Rich." He goes, "Well, then you're going to pay more taxes if you have a four hundred one k or an IRA. The only reason mm -hmm. you would ever get a four hundred one k or an IRA is if you don't want to pay future taxes. You just have to have less money in it." Mm -hmm. which really mm -hmm. is stupid. There's, that's a, but when it comes to a business, they always say that when you sell your business, generally if you have a successful business or a highly successful business and you sell it, it you will pay more taxes. It'll be the biggest tax you've ever paid in your entire life. And there are cottage industry lawyers whose whole job is to structure out your business so that that never happens. Mm -hmm. So you know you have to understand that and plan for that. But secondarily, the other thing you want to look at is you want to say, okay, how appetite, if I want to sell this business and have an exit strategy, right? We're, all, we're talking about the entry strategy right now. But flipping the coin and saying, if I had an exit strategy, you know, five, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, you need to make sure that your business is at, has, there's an appetite for your business in the market. Mm -hmm. So, and it really comes into like, it comes into how you brand your business to begin with. So let's say for example, that you had a business and Al, and it blew up and just say, and just say Al Horn Consulting. Mm -hmm. And 30 years later, you're like, all right, I'm done. You know, this thing's making hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm not going public, but you know, I want to sell the business. And you said, hey, everybody, I just want to, you know, put feelers out there. I, I want to sell my business if anybody wants to buy it. Well, you're probably not going to get many people buying it because the name of your business is Al Horn Consulting. And if you're not mm -hmm. there, then you know, they call up Al Horn Consulting. Who is this? Brian. Brian? Who's Brian? <laughs> I work, I tell, I, I work I, for Al Horn Consulting. Yeah, I want to work. Where's Al? Oh, he, he doesn't work here anymore. Wait, what? Yeah. And so you really want to keep that in mind. And so I have a friend of mine and, and, and just, you know, uh, playing cards, playing poker with the cards face up. I haven't talked to him in like 15 years. Mm -hmm. but his whole thing was he had a business where he basically helped business owners like way ahead of time rebrand their businesses so that when they sold, it wouldn't be a big deal. So let's say right. you had Matt Hallisey Consulting. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to buy it because like they're not, unless they have my name, it really doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is they would change it to like, golden key consulting or something like that right and over time and it's a slow burn slow transition there's not this abrupt matt halsey to golden key and nobody knows who golden key is but there's a mm -hmm. slow change and then by the time you do that you have five to ten years under your belt with this new name new right. branding right. Uh, the there's a community awareness of your business 
And then when you decide, hey, I want to sell this, here's my, here's my financial statement, mm-hmm. then it's easy for somebody to step in and do that. Right. Could and I even comment my, on that? Yeah. And one, one last thing. My first, my first business coach that mm-hmm. I had, he actually mentioned that. I didn't, even, I didn't remember that until right now. And he, just, he basically said, you know, when I started, when he started his business, he knew that at some point he wanted to do an exit strategy. So he purposefully did not put his name on the business because mm-hmm. he knew ahead of time that that would be an issue down the line. Mm-hmm. Well, I, if I could just make a comment on that, and I, I, I really like the points that you made on that. Um, but let me just say this. First of all, sometimes, even with a personal name like Palisade Consulting or Horn Consulting, it sometimes there's a positive to that. There are many companies out there that appear to have a name that belongs to somebody, but they're huge corporations. And <clears throat> whether those people were involved or not, um, it, it, in the current situation, that, that name has so much gravitas, it has so much intangible value that they, they wouldn't want to change it. I'm just saying that's a possibility. It depends on the size of the business and how the reputation for that business and the, the what that business is. So let me just say that. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to change it from, it, it's not necessarily a good thing to change it from Hallacy Enterprises or Consulting to Golden Key. That needs to be looked at carefully. And it depends on the business and, and many factors. But let me say this. I'm looking at an article on Yahoo Finance and there's a Chinese Uber for trucks announcing today that they have raised 1.7 billion in their latest funding round, two years after it it, took in 1.9 billion from investors, including SoftBank, because they'll invest in anything, right? Right. Alphabet, Google's a part of it, of course, because it's the Uber for trucks in China. China. What is the name of this company? The name of this company is called Man Bang. Man Bang. <laughs> okay? So my point is this, Matt. If I did a search on Man Bang, I would expect to see a gay porn site, <laughs> not a five fucking billion valued Chinese company that is the Uber of trucks with Google and SoftBank as major investors. So my point is this. You know, whether your company is Manbang or Banggood or any of these bang companies <laughs> in China, they're getting banged. Bang-a-ho. Bang-a-ho, whatever the company name is in China. Maybe, it, listen, with $5 billion invested, and they're going to be in China. It's not necessarily, I'm saying that the name of the company, Matt, is not necessarily, doesn't necessarily have to be changed. These guys are obviously, obviously doing extremely well, at least from a startup investment point of view uh, with um, close to um, $5 billion in investment from major companies, major partnerships with, you know, SoftBank and Alphabet, you know, I can't, I'm not used to calling them Alphabet, but right. whatever, you know, they're huge. And, uh, and the name, mm, I'm not like, yeah, I'm not really in love with it. Okay. So, so that's my point. That's my point, so- Matt. So I have to ask due diligence because I know there's probably at least one person listening to this that's wondering. 
did you come up, did you discover this little tidbit of information because you were looking at Chinese venture capital and, or business news, or you happened to type in Man Bank? <laughs> no, I was not doing a search. And you, you can check my history, okay? I'll mail it to you, my browser history. I was not searching for the word Man Bank, okay? It's just not me. It's just not what I am about. But let me, the reason, honestly, to quote Jerry Seinfeld, not that there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with man bang. Don't everybody, you know, we, I'm, I'm, people need to do what they need to do. Okay. Um, And that's okay with me. I did mention it because I want to introduce and mention the new segment that we have coming up, the bonus session. And the bonus session is all about us making sense of what's going on today, today in the entrepreneurial world and in the world of uh, finance and economy and business in the world. And we are going to be commenting on and providing our words of wisdom regarding the headlines that are we're going to rip from the front page of Yahoo. And this was a headline twice on the front page of Yahoo Finance. Mentioned one way, then mentioned the other. Is it a PR piece? Is it a puff piece? Is it did somebody pay Yahoo to put this this, or is it a legitimate newsworthy headline? We will be addressing some of these things in our new segment, the bonus sessions. We haven't decided whether we want to charge five dollars or fifty dollars, but nevertheless, it's going to be good stuff. It's going to be good stuff, and I'm mentioning it now because we've. We've been talking about entrepreneur stuff for almost an hour and a half now, Matt. You realize yep. that. You know we both love to talk. Yeah. But um, so at some point here, uh, probably within the next seg- six minutes, we're going to conclude our talk about regular, what it takes to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset, all that kind of good stuff, what the real life of an entrepreneur is like. Uh, you know, and let me just say this, folks out there listening maybe all 10 or 15 of you at this point but soon to be millions okay soon to be millions every episode that we do every conversation that we have always in some way or another talks about the real life of an entrepreneur talks about the common mistakes of new entrepreneurs talks about what it takes to run a business talks about how to think like an entrepreneur, talks about what you do with your good idea, talks about managing people, talks about how networking works in the world of entrepreneurialism, talks about marketing strategy, talks about how do you get customers? How do you keep customers? How do you advertise? How do you get the word out? If you hate sales, what next? What's next for you if you hate sales? Um, How do you get money to start your business? Every conversation that we have is going to be in some way or another involved with those kinds of questions. Yep. Because they are the key questions that you need to think about, plan, problem solve, and execute on when you decide you want to start a side gig or you want to be the new uh, Tesla or you want to be uh, you want to change the world or you just want to come up with a new kind of toenail clipper. I don't care what the situation is. 
you're going to have to deal with those issues. And we have to talk about them. And we will continue to talk about them in every single episode. But what we'd like to do in the future is we'd like to address some specific questions from our audience. We want you to contact us. And we're going to soon have a page where you're going to be able to go and put those questions and see what, the, see what our responses have been to questions in the past maybe even connect with other entrepreneurs to look at those types of questions and and solutions and answers to those questions and a lot of what we do is we ask you the question that you need to be asking yourself that you haven't thought to ask yourself and we may not address a complete 100 percent solution or answer to that question but you better think about it so the specifics of all of those things that I mentioned, uh, of all of those questions, and the answers to those questions, and the answers to your questions will be in the first segment, the first segment that we do, the first episode of what we have been doing. But we're, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. There's more. After about an hour and a half of talking about that, we're going to go into the bonus session where we're going to talk about the headlines on Yahoo Finance and how what we've talked about in the first part applies to that and what is happening in the world today. And you'll be able to go to a page that we'll, we'll provide the link to where you'll see those articles indexed so that even if you're not listening to it today you can go back and refer to that article and listen to the podcast while you're doing that and see how we responded to that particular headline and why we think it's either bogus or important real made up fake news total puff piece an advertisement for something you probably don't want or will never need um a scam an out and out right scam and there's scams on so many levels that we can talk about it will blow your mind there are scams that trust they're all all they're trying to do is get 50 bucks out of you there are scams that are involved in some kind of multi-billion dollar financing thing that's going on between hedge funds there's scams on every level and we will talk about those too because they're important. You need to be careful and be aware as an entrepreneur. If you don't do the right thing, you could be shooting yourself in the foot as far as now or the future. You also have to be careful that people out there who are unscrupulous, have no ethics, have no morals, all they wanna do is rob you blind, okay? You have to be careful of those people. You also almost, doubly have to be careful of people who have the best intentions believe in what they do but they're incompetent you put your hand you put an important part of your business into these people's hands and they will screw you up they will screw your business up they will they'll create more headaches for you than you can possibly imagine so our podcast does go by some people's um, opinions a little long, but we have a lot to talk about. Okay, so oh, let me and let me hit on, let me hit on that real quick. So yes, um, and that's kind of we're to some degree we're doing this on purpose. Al and I have talked about this, and 
you know, there's a, there's a number of different ways to structure a podcast, especially in relation to duration. And we want to appeal to certain people. So there's people that have podcasts that, you know, I don't know, do six minutes a piece, 10 minutes a piece. They're just quick hitters. Um, and that's fine. It's, you know, so, you know, I have a podcast where I do, you know, six minutes a piece, sometimes even less than that. Mm-hmm. But if we look at the, if we look and say, is that, is, you know, if it's longer than that, is it a bad thing? Well, one of my marketing mentors always said, you know, how long should a video be? Well, as, as long as it's interesting <laughs> and not one second longer, you know? Yes. And, and so you look at the number one podcast on YouTube right now, it's Joe Rogan's podcast and they average three hours. And the reason is somebody that's listened to Joe po- Rogan's podcast is usually at work. And instead of them listening to a radio show or having the TV in the background, mm. they have this in the background where it's basically, they don't have to keep hitting pause and look for a new podcast and get interrupted at work. And so, you know, one, we're, you know, they're going to be a little bit longer than your typical podcast, but we want it that way. We want people that are working on their website, that are working on their marketing message. Sure. Have something in the background that inspires them, that makes them Cleaning laugh. their bathrooms, cleaning their bathrooms. Maybe cleaning their bathrooms. Maybe, you know, picking up dog, dog puke. Could be anything. Driving to their next sales call. Could be driving their next sales call, but not to have to continue to sit here and hit fast forward or pick a new one. And, you know, we want to have something in the background where we can, you know, kind of inspire you and have something that you can have there for you. So, um, and at the same time, the subjects we pick are not like, you know, how do you screw in a light bulb? Okay. We're not going to do an hour on how to screw in a light bulb, but when we talk about things like, you know, how to have an entry strategy, how to, you know, how to start a business if you don't have a talent or you don't know what your talent is, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about sure. kind of our experience, our successes, our failures, things that we've read and, mm-hmm. you know, um, things like that. So it is, it's going to be a little bit longer, but we want it to be. We want it to be substantive and we want it to be something where if you're starting a business, let's just be honest. Let's just call, you know, let's talk about the, the elephant that's in the room. Uh-huh. If you're starting a business, a six minute podcast is not going to help you. It's just not. No. Any more than if you sat, if you walked into a, into a coffee shop or a cigar bar and you ran into Warren Buffett, do you want to talk to him for an hour or do you want to talk to him for six minutes? <laughs> I mean, let's really be honest about it. You know, you, you want to have as much exposure and you want to learn as much as possible. And we understand yeah. that. We've talked about yeah. that before. So, yeah. um, so just understand, you know, they do go a little bit longer than the typical quick hitters, but at the same time, you know, if you want to, you know, I do this on my podcast. If I, if I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, you know, the proverbial Matt now, it's like, all right, this, this area really isn't pertinent to me. I might fast forward 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, there's nothing saying you have to listen to every single minute mm-hmm. of every single podcast we do, although right. that would be awesome. Sure. But it's like, you want to, you know, you want to sit here and you have the opportunity to learn as much as you can. And so we want to offer that to you. Right. Um, and so we're, t- we're, pr- we're probably, we're trying to keep it around an hour if we can. If we go a little bit longer, hey, that's okay, it happens. But we want to also talk about these bonus sessions. So the bonus sessions that we have, um, or we, we come, sometimes call them the BS sessions, um, <laughs> where we're going to take a look at the Yahoo Finance headlines and we're going to you know, make sense of what these headlines are. Some of which are going to be, you know, how to read, you know, some of which are going to be, well, we'll invert it. Some of which we're really going to just straight up make fun of them. I mean, there's some of them are really stupid. 
They're mm. written by journalists who are just trying for clicks, who don't know what they're talking about. Let's be very yes. honest about that. They just don't. Mm-hmm. And so we're gonna kind of rip them a new one, um, but in a funny way. The other thing you wanna do is you wanna look at the macro trends that are going on. Right. And, and I'll give you an example. So the macro trends are gonna dictate the health and, and kind of where your business goes. So I'll give you something, and Alan, has, Alan and I haven't talked about this, but yesterday I was driving to my car, <clears throat> And this, made, this, this one made me about 10 grand in the last 24 hours. So mm. I was driving in my car and I was listening to the radio and they said, hey, um, they didn't say, hey, that would be great. They said, <laughs> hey, Matt. Hey, hey Matt. <laughs> That's <laughs> where radio's going. They will talk oh, to you sure. personally. Hey, hey, go, hey, check this out. It sounds like Norm MacDonald. <laughs> um, <laughs> they said that the Trump, the, anyway, the Trump, administration was suing the state of California over fuel efficiency standards. Mm. And the big three automakers, GM, uh, I was going to say Honda, no, GM, Ford, and Chevy joined in on this a couple years ago because mm-hmm. you can't sit here and have separate manufacturing processes and design processes for cars, one for California and one for the rest of the country. So it's basically a proxy law set up so that they could establish fuel standards across the whole country. Well, yesterday in the news, they said, hey, the the big three automakers announced that they're actually, they're exiting the lawsuit. They're not being party to the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And immediately I'm like, well, duh, I know why. They they realized that, okay, they got a plan for Biden being president. And the last thing you want to do on January 20th is be party to a lawsuit with the Trump administration. So they're like, it's a lame duck session. We're cutting bait. We're going to do everything we can to lobby Biden. And I, and, I, and I said this in my podcast yesterday was, I bet you they've spent more money with lobbying and more time lobbying, cutting checks to these politicians in the last week than they have probably in the last four years. Big time. And I said, right now, I said, these companies, they don't have, a, I'm thinking they don't have a lot of, um, there's not a lot of unknowns or uncertainties for them. They know in their mind, they know who the president's going to be mm-hmm. and they're planning for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they're moving on. And I said, Oh my gosh. So I have this podcast where I talk about stock market investing during COVID, which is totally centered around uncertainty and volatility. Mm-hmm. And so I went on and I was about to record it and I went on to CNN business and their headline was major corporations are, are, um, are planning for a Biden presidency. So it literally echoed the exact thing that I was thinking about during the day. And I said, oh my gosh, they don't even think there's uncertainty. So they're planning for it. I said, this is the day that we've been waiting for. This is the day that I'm buying a whole bunch of stocks because I bet you if I look at futures that the market's going to be roaring up tomorrow. I said this yesterday. You hit the nail on the head, my friend. and I nailed it and I made about 10 grand in my portfolio today. Sweet. Not a bad day. So the reason I bring that up is when we talk about the Yahoo Finance headlines, some of them are very important. So mm-hmm. for example, if you have a business, one of the big questions is how much of the COVID buying cycle is going gonna, is gonna to be here post-COVID? Mm-hmm. And when we talk about e-commerce, I think people have been well-trained, and I said this in my podcast yesterday, that either the people that the people that have done e-commerce have done more than they ever have before. And the right. people that haven't done e-commerce, let's say you didn't even have an Amazon account, a Prime account, these people have actually started doing it. So they've been kind of um, 
in, it's been ingrained in them that this is kind of the way that they're going to operate and getting things to their house. Right. I said, I don't think that's changing. I, I think that people have kind of been, you know, it's, it, there's an inflection point in our society where you're starting to see the e-commerce be a big part. So an example of that is, let's say we read that headline in our bonus session. E-commerce is really important. I mean, if you have a oh. physical product, you better have a strong, well put together e-commerce channel. Absolutely. Um, yes. Otherwise, you're going to really struggle post-COVID. You're going to be the yellow pages of the world in your industry. The Sears. Sears, yeah. Um, Toys R Us is the big one that always comes to mind. Oh, unbelievable, yeah. And so when we talk about these headlines, it's important to see that there's a headline that people write and they're writing about this narrow headline. Mm -hmm. And yet sometimes these small headlines have such a profound, they are a profound lighthouse in the, in the foggy night. Yes. Where you, you read that and you go, oh my gosh, I better pay attention to that. And yesterday I happened to have my ears on mm -hmm. and I caught that and I figured out they were just saying, they were just reporting the news. They copied it off the AP sure. wire. Sure. My wife used to be a news producer. That's all they do. Copy, mm -hmm. paste, and send oh, yeah. on the teleprompter for Ron sure. Burgundy to read. And they add their name. That's it. And they add their name. And, but, <laughs> but then you step back and you realize, oh, and so on my, on my, the, the title right. of my episode yesterday was, I've been waiting for this day since March. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That was the title of my yes. thing yesterday. And timing so, is everything, my friend. Timing is yeah, everything. So, so for these bonus sessions, it's important for, for you guys. Um, you know, if we're offering, if we decide to offer them for free in the beginning, make sure you pay attention to them and get a, get a sense of what they are. But these are going to be the ones that I think are the gold in the ground, so to speak. Mm. Where, you know, we talk about things that are going to help your business, but we're going to really give some solid contemporaneous um, input on what's happening in the world and where it's moving the business world, where the yeah. tide is moving yes. so that you can plant your business in the right place to actually yes. succeed over it. Yes. So Matt, it's just a, it, the word contemporaneous, is that a real word or did you just make that up? No, it is contemporaneous. Oh. Okay. This means it means at that time and this time only. See, there you go. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I was. And, and, yeah. and Matt, I think you and I should have a chat offline where I give you all my money and you invest it for me because, dude, you really <laughs> hit the nail on the head over there. I'm not even getting interest on the money that I have. You know what's crazy is Bank I had people not paying I, me interest. I had people, so on my podcast, I'm, I'm literally, I have a link where you can actually download my spreadsheet, right? So you mm. can see where oh. things are at. If you look at the videos, you can see where my account balance is for my investments. Sure. Sure. And I had somebody that, they, they questioned me like, what are you doing? Like, and I'm like, have you looked at my performance? I'm, I've doubled my money in, I've doubled my money in six months and we haven't even gotten started yet. Oh my God. Like we we're to gonna talk. triple, we're gonna triple and quadruple our money by March. It's it's gonna be like the next month and a half is gonna be off the chain. Mm. Mm. So, I'm a risk adverse. I'm risk averse in in terms of my investments, um, and I've cashed out of all of my real estate, and my home is paid for. But doggone it, I'm 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 getting inspired. I I got to take a piece of that and, and invest it like you are, man, because you're doing great. So. 
Well, Keep and, and mind, I'll say this is, is this is an area that like, if I wasn't as confident in my ability to read the market and understand mm-hmm. what's going on, then mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it. Like I, yeah. I generally don't, I generally under normal circumstances will never invest in the stock market. Cause I don't, right. I, ironically, I don't feel comfortable enough doing it. Right. But when right. you get I, something, I get that. They, yeah, when they rip the risk, when they rip all the downside out of the market in March, I'm willing to jump in. Well, look, um, I'm not sure how much longer we're going to keep this episode going, but let me just say this, Matt, first of all, that, that if you look at uh, Yahoo Finance right now, you can see that the stock market is up over 30K. Mm-hmm. I mean, not up over 30K. It's over 30K, over but it's 30K. up 435, 1.47% today. Um, here's another thing, too, that we, we, we may talk about in the future. I have a friend that invested in Bitcoin at 10000 He sold a property. He had 70000 coming from the property that he sold. Happy to get rid of it, by the way. It's no fun being a landlord. But anyway... It was a single family residence. Anyway, he sold it. He had 70000 coming to him because he had been paying the mortgage all those years. And he bought Bitcoin at about 10000 And now it's t- almost twenty, And he's just gloating about it. Now, this is a guy who the joke between us was, tell me, his name's Greg. I said, tell me, Greg, what you're investing in, and I'll be sure not to do that. Because everything he's ever done that he Fair. thought that he thought was going to make money, real estate, um, uh, a gold, silver. He bought all this stuff thinking that it was going to make him rich, and it didn't do jack diddly squat. Okay, um, but he did make a decision to, to to buy the Bitcoin with the money he got from the from the sale of that uh, piece that house. And it's doubled now. And I mean, it's doubled in like five months. So this uh, kind of irritates it's me. It's actually, it's tripled in five months. Oh, I stand cor- Sorry I about sit that. corrected. It's tripled it was at, in It was five. at five grand. It's about oh. to be quadrupled. Oh, my God. And that's, see, that's not that's five a, months. That's, th- that's three months. That's crazy. That's crazy. So we, we, we'll, we're going to want to talk about some of that. And I would yeah, suggest, might, Matt, that, that let's, let's wrap, let's wrap this up let's right now. Wrap, we're gonna, we got 15 minutes to wrap it up and then it'll be a two hour show. Huh? Yeah, How about let's that? Ra- well, let's, let's just wrap this up. We'll make it a hard cut and then we're going to go ahead <laughs> and move into the bonus sessions. And we'll probably, we'll probably, we may pick this up. We may not pick this up. Yeah. We want to go ahead and go ahead and, um, you know, Watch the, watch the bonus session we're going to talk about and find out, you know, kind of what our thoughts are on this if we decide to talk about it. Right. So with that being right. said, my name is Matt. My name is Al. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today on the Halcyon Horn podcast. You've just taken the crucial step to finally take control of where your life is going by joining us on the road to entrepreneurship. The path to your new amazing destiny has only just begun. You're already ahead of 99% of the people around you because you're finally taking control of your life and making the choice to claim your new destiny. We'd love to help you in any way we can along your journey. So take a minute to reach out to us. You'll find our contact information in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as the newest episode drops. And if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, what are you waiting for? Don't wait. Do it now. 
can't wait to meet up for our next episode, and we'll see you soon.